morning. I want to tell you how glad we are that you're here. I want to welcome those who are at our campuses at Mill Creek Lanier and those who are watching online and those who are watching on television. We are really, really grateful that you are here. I get a lot, if you can imagine, I get a lot of emails and I get a lot of letters from people, not just within the church community, but because our services are broadcast all over the world. We get a lot of these correspondence uh, from uh, people who watch our TV ministry, Touching Lives. I don't think I've ever received any email or any letter that broke my heart more than this one. Dear Pastor Merritt, when I watched your message on TV this past week, all I could do was praise God because you sent me what I needed when I needed it most. Here is why. My husband and I are newlyweds, very much in love, and only been married six months, but we are experiencing problems in our marriage because of sexual sin. My husband was saved about six years ago, and he's a good man. He loves the Lord. He is a dedicated and humble servant who shares and gives of his talents and gives freely. But his mind and his thoughts have been corrupted by pornography. It began at a very early age and opened his mind to perversion and let him do some terrible things and has taken him to places and led him to engage and participate in perverted things I can't even imagine. He does not engage in viewing porn now, but he doesn't really have to. Men are visual. And all those images are in his mind, forever etched in his memory. These thoughts and images are the tools that Satan uses to tempt and entice him with. Porn and perversion are his thorns in the flesh. If I could say one thing, it would be to ask you to warn young men where viewing these images will take them into corruption and the perversion that it will lead to. I know that I cannot fix my husband, but I know one who can. Jesus is able. I keep praying and believing that my husband can overcome this sexual addiction and with love and understanding on my part and through God's mercy and grace, our marriage can grow and be strengthened through this storm. Please pray that my husband be delivered from this so that we would be found worthy vessels for God's service so that his will may be accomplished in us and through us for his glory. Now you talk about an elephant in the room. If you're a guest of ours today, we started a series last week we're calling the elephant in the room. And it really is about those things that people don't like to discuss. And we all have to be honest here, pornography is one of them. And by the way, it is one big elephant. Pornography annually is a $97 billion global business. In the United States, it tops $13 billion. Pornography brings in more money than the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball put together. It makes more money than ABC, CBS, and NBC combined. Porn sites now account for 12% of all internet sites. As a matter of fact, internet porn sites get more monthly visitors than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter put together. Now, what we've witnessed in my lifetime is an explosion of free explicit pornography, and it's constantly expanding because now anyone, anywhere, at any time can post a video clip anytime they want to. As a matter of fact, this amazed me. An independent web tracking company clocked 107 million U.S. visitors to adult sites in one month alone. 
The world's largest adult site says it gets 2.4 million visitors every single hour. In 2015, you ready for this? In 2015 alone, people around the world watched 4 billion, 392 million, 486,580 hours of its content, which is more than twice as long as humanity has spent on planet Earth. An estimated 40 million people a day on the in the United States log on to some 4.2 million pornographic websites according to the Internet Filter Software Review. Now, that's bad enough. And that ought to shake us to our core. And that ought to admit that there's an elephant in the room that we really need to deal with. However, this is what really gets me. This is not just an adult problem. The Journal of Sex Research puts the first exposure to pornography on average at 11 years of age for young boys. 90% of children, 90% between the ages of eight and 16 have viewed pornography on the internet and in most cases, unintentionally. Are you ready for this? The largest consumer category of internet pornography is boys between 12 and 17 years of age. By college, according to a survey of more than 800 students titled Generation X, 90% of men and 33% of women had viewed porn in the preceding year. Now you say, well, well, wait a minute. So why are we talking about it here in church? Very simple reason. See, many of us think the problem is out there. No, the problem is also in here. This visual sewage has now infiltrated the plumbing of the church. 57% of pastors admit they either do or have struggled with pornography in the past. 27% of Christian men have viewed pornographic sites once or twice in the last month. You ready for this? The most popular day of the week to look at porn is Sunday. Now think about that. The most popular day of the week to view porn is Sunday. Here in our own church, and our campuses, because we have web filters on our sites to Wi-Fi access, we have to block eight to 10 attempts to view porn in our buildings every single Sunday. There's an elephant in this room and in the church room, and it's a very big elephant. Now, there was a time, and I remember it, many of you may, when people were saying, look, there's nothing wrong with porn. What you do in your house is your business as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else, it's all right. And there was a day when just a few people like myself, pastors and others, stood alone and crying out about the danger of pornography, but no more. Because much of what I just cited to you, do you know, do you know the, the, the sources I got this from? Newsweek, Time Magazine, The Huffington Post, Sociology professor Gail Dines, writing in the Washington Post, argues that the scientific question of whether porn is bad or not and whether or not it's bad for society has been forever settled. As a matter of fact, this is what she said. She said, just as the tobacco industry argued for decades, there was no proof of a connection between smoking and lung cancer. 
The porn industry, with the help of a well-oiled public relations machine, has denied the existence of empirical research on the impact of its products. And then she goes on to cite a wealth of peer-reviewed studies that show that men who consume porn are most accepting of rape, sexual assault, and sexual harassment. The kids who watch porn engage in sex sooner and are at much greater risk for sexually transmitted diseases. So not only does porn distort and dehumanize the view of sex, it destroys real sexual intimacy as we just read in this letter just a moment ago. Now, my purpose is not to convince you that pornography is real. I, I, I know you know that. I know you get that. I understand that. It's not even convince you that it is a problem because if you don't understand that, I can't help you. It's not even really to try to convince you that it's harmful. That is beyond dispute. And though there are some who would deny it, deep in our hearts, we know that it's wrong. Now, let me just say this at the outset. I'm not a prude, and I've got skeletons in my closet just like everybody else, but I just think in full disclosure, you need to know, I've never purposely looked at pornography, and I don't intend to look at pornography, I have no desire to look at pornography, like some of you one time, I have to tell you, I don't, not even my notes, I don't have time to tell, I'll tell it anyway. The only time I ever viewed pornography was when computers first came out. And I just got my very first computer, I was living in another home. And, and, and back in the day, uh, you know, you could click on a certain site or a subject and, and, and bad things could happen. So I was actually preparing a message, believe it or not. And the title of my, my message was, The World's Greatest Bodybuilders, okay? So I Googled in world's greatest bodybuilders. Guess what happened? Boom, I'm in a pornographic website. So I start trying to get out of it. Well, guess what happens? You ever had this happen before? You click out of one, it goes into another one. You click out of one, it goes into another one. I didn't know what to do. I panicked. I ran upstairs and got Teresa. I said, come here, I gotta show you something. She came running downstairs. She looked at it and said, what are you looking at that stuff for? I said, I'm not looking at it. I'm trying not to look at it. Well, that didn't make sense. So then I had to call my IT guy to come over. I, all I could do was unplug the computer and he finally had to show me how to kind of block these sites. So I'm just simply saying to you, I don't look at it. I haven't looked at it, but that doesn't mean I'm a perfect guy. Now, some of you may sit there and say, well, now, wait a minute. If you haven't tried it, how can you Talk about it. Well, I don't have to eat slop to talk about pigs, okay? I mean, you don't, you don't have to do that. And so here's my intent today. My intent is not to share a negative message. My intent is not to beat up on some of you out there and some of you are out there and you view pornography, you're addicted to pornography, you've tried to quit pornography, it hasn't worked. My purpose is not to put you on a guilt trip. My purpose is not to beat you down. This is a positive message because I do believe there is a path to sexual and spiritual freedom. Here's our problem. What most people don't understand is they think the problem is just through the heart. Well, it is through the heart, but it's not just through the heart, it is through the mind because this is what you gotta get in your mind. Pornography is not just a moral problem. It is a mental problem because now we know something. We know that consistent exposure to pornographic images actually rewires the brain. Pornography has the effect to kind of put your brain, make it like a tire that's stuck in a rut. And no matter how far you drive forward or how far you drive backwards, you're still in that rut. And in effect, the brain is trained to be subjected, subjected to the addictive behavior of watching pornography. And let me tell you why that's true. 
We now know that in the human anatomy, the brain is command central for the entire body, right? Every action, every response, every impulse that we have originates from the brain because the brain is not just a mental organ, it is a spiritual organ. You know why? Because every thought you have not only has a mental component to it, it has a spiritual component because the truth of the matter is you cannot separate the spiritual from the mental and the emotional and the physical because they are all woven together. Now you say, how do you know that? Because of something Jesus said. You remember what the greatest commandment is? Jesus said, you shall love, if we put that up there, it's in red. I hope they'll put it in there. It's not up there, so I'll just read it, all right? You should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, that is spiritually, your strength, that is physically, and your mind, that is mentally. So we've got to get control of the mind before we ever get control of the problem. So the question is, what's the solution? Hopefully some of you out there are listening right now and you're saying, help me, I need help, I want help, I'm tired of living in this mental perverted prison that I'm in. Well, if you brought a copy of God's Word, or you have an iPad or a smartphone, or whatever it is you use that you look at Scripture with, I want you to turn to a book called 2 Corinthians. Now, that may not help some of you except to know, well, there must be a 1 Corinthians, right? And there is. But in the New Testament, if you'll go about six or seven books over from the Gospels, you'll find, or about three or four books, you will find 2 Corinthians, okay? It's in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, while you're turning there, the greatest Christian by all accounts who ever lived, not counting Jesus, was a man by the name of the Apostle Paul. Paul is writing to this church in Corinth. And by the way, Corinth was a church that was ripe with sexual sin. They had, sex, they had prostitutes that, that were on top of this mount, temple mount. As a matter of fact, we're going to Greece in a couple of weeks. So we're going to Corinth. We'll see this temple mount. They, there was a temple de dedicated to Aphrodite. And, and so they had temple prostitutes. And, and, and so they had all kinds of actually physical, visual pornography that you could look at. And so Paul is writing to this church and he says, let me tell you how to get out of an X-rated life to a G that is a godly rated life. And he tells these Corinthians, there are three things you've got to do with your mind if you're going to ever defeat this problem, okay? Number one, we must guide our mind in all things. Got it? We must guide our mind in all things. Now we're in 2 Corinthians 10, listen to verse five. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought. He's talking about our thoughts. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, this battle that Paul is talking about is all about knowledge and all about thoughts and all about arguments. Where do those come from? They come from our mind. So what Paul is saying is, if you're living an X-rated life, it is because you're thinking X-rated thoughts. It all begins in the brain. It all begins in the mind. However, before you begin to think, so it's just a mental battle, right? It's just a psychological battle. Well, no, because listen to what he says in verse three. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. In other words, Paul says, look, understand something here. You're not primarily in a physical battle or, or, or as much as it is a spiritual battle. It's not just a moral battle, it's also a mental battle. And unlike the world's wars, this war, he says, it's invisible. 
It's not a military war, it's a mental war. You're in a war in your mind, you're in a war of the mind, you're in a war for the mind. Now, here's the truth. Paul says we can direct our mind at all times and in all things. And we've got to do this because the most powerful force in this world is not a nuclear bomb. It is not the United States military. As a matter of fact, it is not all the militaries of all the world put together. The most powerful force in the human world, in the world of humanity, by the way, has always been the mind. Matter of fact, listen to this. If you could build a computer that could do everything your mind could do, okay, so we're gonna build a computer and it has the capability of doing everything your mind could do. Listen to this. That computer would have to be the size of the Empire State Building. It would have to be a city block wide and a city block deep. You say, you mean the mind is, just, is that powerful? Well, just think about this. You, you take these little gadgets. You know, there is more computer power in that little cell phone that I have in my pocket. There is more computer power in that phone than it took to send a man to the moon. We've got all these gadgets and all these toys. We've got computers, cell phones, GPS tracking systems. We got the internet. Let me ask you a question. How did we get all those things? They started out as what? An idea. Somebody had an idea in their mind. So we've got all these things we enjoy today. Now, here's the point. When you become a follower of Jesus, God moves in and God says, okay, here's how we, I want to work here. I want to take control of your soul your emotional life. I want to take control of your heart, your spiritual life. I want to take control of your body, your physical life. And I want to take control of your mind, your spiritual life. Because he not only wants to direct in how you live, but in how you think, because either your mind is going to guide you and where you go and how you live and how you think, or you're going to guide your mind and how it thinks and therefore how you live and how you go. So that's why every single day, you need to do, I've done this for I don't know how long. You've got to have a plan in place every day. You've got to get up and say, okay, I've got, you've got to have a plan in place to make sure I'm going to guide my mind in all things. In other words, let me put it to you this way. You've got to make up your mind about your mind and make your mind mind. Now, that's so good, I'm going to say it one more time. You have got to make up your mind about your mind and make your mind mind. You can make your mind mind. You are to guide your mind in all things. That's step one. Step two, we must guard our mind against wrong things. The way you guide your mind in all things is you begin by guarding your mind against wrong things. Now, let's listen again to this entire passage and listen, listen carefully to every word. Paul says, for though we live in the world, in other words, we live just like everybody else, we live in the same world unbelievers live in, we live in the same world that pagans live in, we live in the same world that atheists and agnostics live in, we all live in the same world, but we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, if you listen carefully to what I just read and you were really tuned in on every word, you heard words like war, 
weapons, fight, stronghold, captive. Now, what does that tell you? You're on a battlefield. We're, we're, we're literally, every day when you get up out of your bed, you step into a battlefield. You're in a war, and the war is for one thing and one thing only. The war is for control of the mind. So when you get up and your feet hit the floor, a battle starts at the moment. As a matter of fact, at the moment a child begins to think on their own, the battle begins. And by the way, once that battle starts, it's never over until you take your last thought or your last breath. It is the battle for mind control. So your mind's like a castle. Here's what Paul is saying. Your mind's like a castle. It's like a stronghold. Your mind is like a fort and it's constantly under attack. And your mind is the bullseye in this battle. And you say, wait a minute, why is the bull mind the bullseye? Why is the mind such a big deal? Why is it that Satan more than anything else would love to control my mind? It's real simple. Whatever controls your mind, controls you. Whatever controls your mind, controls you. Why didn't some people go to church today? Because they decided in their mind, I don't wanna go to church today. Why do people do this or do that or don't do this or don't do that or go here but don't go there? Because in your mind, you make decisions every day. This is what I'm gonna do. This is what I'm not gonna do. This is where I'm gonna go. This is where I'm not going to go. Your mind is the control center of who you are. And if you don't know this already, you better learn it. Our belief determines our behavior. Our belief determines our behavior. Let me tell you, let me tell you something. I don't have to ask any of you in this room what you believe about anything. I really don't. Show me how you live, and I'll show you what you believe. The rest is just talk. For example, show me your finances, and I'll show you whether or not you really believe what God says about tithing. Don't tell me what you say you believe. Just show me your finances. Or just uh, tell me, now, when is the last time you shined your flashlight? When's the last time you turned your light on? When is the last time you even tried to talk to somebody about Jesus? Don't tell me, oh, I believe people are lost and people need the Lord and I know I need to be telling people about Christ. I really do believe that. No, just let me know how you live. I will tell you what you believe. Our belief determines our behavior. Everything else is just talk. Some of you may remember there was an old proverb that puts it this way. You sow a thought, you reap an act. You sow an act, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, you reap a destiny. But the destiny always begins with a thought. It all begins with the mind. God knew when he created us that the mind is the key that unlocks your heart. The mind is the key that unlocks your hands. The mind is the key that unlocks your habits. So listen to the first part of verse five again. Listen to it. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Paul said, look, there are evil influences out there all over the place. They're everywhere. And they want to put any barrier they can between you and your knowledge of God. Which, by the way, that brings us back to the whole issue of pornography. Dr. Alvin Cooper, who's a noted researcher on cyber sex and pornography, 
He talks about the three A's of pornographic addiction and he tells us why pornography is so dangerous and why it can so easily get into our homes and our hearts and into our heads. He said, here's why pornography is so dangerous and why it's so easy to get into and so hard to get out of. He said, there's accessibility, there's anonymity, and there's affordability. Now, let me explain that. He said, first of all, pornography is more accessible today than it has ever been. I mean, you think about it. You've got triple X videos. You've got adult channels. You've got pay-per-view films. You've got strip clubs. You've got phone sex. You've got internet sites, and they have absolutely no restrictions. So it's totally accessible to anybody of any age, any time. Then you've got affordability because a lot of pornography today is free. When I was a boy growing up, you had to buy it. You had to pay for it. Some of you may remember that you'd go into a store and if they sold pornography, where did they keep it? Somebody tell me. Yeah, behind the counter, right? You know, they didn't show it out front. So if you wanted it, you had to buy it. Now you can get it for nothing. And then there is, of course, anonymity. You can watch it in a motel room. You can watch it on a cell phone. You can watch it in your computer. You can watch it in your bedroom. And nobody except you and God knows that you're doing it. You know, when I was growing up, the question was, do you know where your children are? Wrong question today. The question today is, do you know what your children are watching? Do you know what your children are looking at? And see, that's why, and I want to be careful when I, when I get into what I'm about to get into, because I want to say this again. I'm not a prude. I'm really not. I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I don't sleep in three-piece pajamas, okay? I, I you know, I, I'm not one of those kind of guys that, oh man, you know, don't, 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 no, 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 no. So, but, 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 but let me just be honest. Never before have we ever, ever better be careful and be discerning on what we see and what we hear and where we go. So I'm just advising you, guard what you see at the movie theater. Now, hear me. Somebody's gonna take that and say, I'm gonna get an email. So you think it's wrong to go to movies. I didn't say that. I like to go to movies. You know, I, I, I really enjoy it. I'm just simply saying, guard what you see at the movie theater. Guard what you allow to come through your television screen. Guard the kind of music that you listen to. Guard the places that you go. In other words, in your mind, you ought to have a guard that stands guard over your mind 24 hours a day, seven days a week, who lets nothing go into your brain except what God would approve and what you know would bring you closer to him. By the way, just in full disclosure, I think you ought to know this. On my computer at home, I have a program called OpenDNS. It's called OpenDNS. Now, let's do what that program does. I have an IT specialist. He's one of our deacons. He's in our church. And he knows more about computers than his little finger than I know in my whole body, all right? He, he, he's the one that came across this program. I asked him about it. So I've got this program on my computer. Let's do what that means. That means it gives him 24-hour-a-day access to my computer. So if there's any questionable website I go to, and the only one that's really popped up so far is Florida Gators. But if there's any questionable website that I go to, it flags it, he knows it, he can see where I went, and he can hold me accountable. Now, some of you may be out there and you may be saying right now, whoa, 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 wait a minute, Pastor. Don't you trust yourself? 
Real easy answer to that. Nope. I guard myself. I trust Jesus. I will trust me. Because my heart and your heart is deceitfully wicked and nobody knows it. So no, I don't trust myself. I trust Jesus. And I don't want there to be any question about me from anybody. That's why this, this, this person in our church, he has access to everything I have. He, access, he has access to my iPhone. He has access to my iPad. He has access to my iMac. He's got access to any electronic de- uh, 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 um, technology that I use to communicate or whatever. He has it. Why do I do that? I want to guard my mind against the wrong things. So we're to guide our mind in all things, Right? We're to guard our mind against the wrong things. And then thirdly, we must give our mind to the right things. We must give our mind to the right things. Now, I hope that some of you at least understand why you cannot afford to lose this battle. Because the only way to stay in control of you is to stay in control of your mind because your mind controls you. Former President Woodrow Wilson put it this way. He said, he that will not command his thoughts will soon lose command of his actions. He that will not command his thoughts will soon lose command of his actions. Now, for those of you out there right now and you say, boy, this has been a hard message to listen to. And there's some of you out there listening right now and you're saying, I'm so glad you don't know it's me that you're talking to. I'm glad my wife doesn't know that it's me you're talking to. I'm glad my girlfriend doesn't know it's me you're talking to. Or I'm glad my boyfriend or my husband doesn't know that it's me that you are talking to. I want want you to hear this clearly. If you know Jesus, you are not fighting for victory, you're fighting from victory. Did you hear me? If you know Jesus, you're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. He's already won the battle. You just need to win it through him. Now, here's the good news. We've got the weapons that we need. Let's, let's hear Paul again. The weapons we fight with were not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every petition that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Now, watch this. Listen to what Paul says. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, Paul doesn't say that in a hypothetical or theoretical way. He says, listen, I'm living what I'm preaching and I'm preaching what I'm living. We've learned how to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You say, how do you do that? Well, the way you start out is you've got to direct your mind to the right things. Paul wrote this in another letter. Paul said, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Do you see that little word set? You've got the power to set your mind. You've got the ability to decide where your mind is set. You can determine the direction of your mind. You can control the connection of your mind. You say, how do you do that? I'm gonna give you the secret. All right, listen, ready? Every morning when you get up, your mind is just like a vacuum. I mean, it's, it's, you, you know, you, 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 it's empty. You haven't filled your mind. You've been asleep all night, right? So your mind is empty. Now, when you get up in the morning, you can fill your mind with whatever you want it to fill it with. You can fill your mind with good things. You can fill your mind with bad things. You can fill your mind with right thoughts. You can fill your mind with wrong thoughts. You can fill your mind with gross thoughts. You can fill your mind with godly thoughts. Now, you may think that's impossible, but I'm gonna give you an illustration. I want you to imagine 
that you brought me an empty glass up here, just, a, just an empty, like you drink water out of, because you drink me an empty glass. Now, I want you to imagine there's nothing but glass, there's nothing but air in that glass, right? So it's empty. All it has in it is air. Now, I want you to imagine that you asked me this question. How do I get the air out of that glass? I mean, the only thing that's in the glass right now is air, right? How do I get the air out of that glass? Well, that would be easy. Somebody tell me, how would you do that? Now, fill it up. Just fill it with water. The way to get the air out of the glass is fill it up with water. Guess what? The way to remove wrong things from your mind is to fill your mind with the right things. So to quote the Apostle Paul, if you don't mind one more time, Paul said this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is True, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul, you're brilliant. So how do you, how do you get pornography into your mind? You look at it. You watch it. You focus on it. You obsess with it. You get addicted to it. That's how you get it into your mind. How do you get it out? Focus on the Bible. Read the Bible. Fill your mind with the Bible. You know what you do when you do that? You're taking the dirty air out of your mind and filling it with the good things of the Word of God. You know, when a woman paints her nails, okay, What's the first thing a woman, she's gonna paint her nails, what's the first thing she does? Ladies, you know what it is, right? She removes the old fingernail polish, right? You do that, then you put on the new polish. Or for example, guys, if you're gonna refinish a piece of furniture, what's the first thing you do? First thing you do, you sand off the old finish, then you put on the new. If you decide you wanna repaint an old car, what's the first thing you do? You remove the old paint so that you can sand it down and put on the new paint. Guess what? The same exact thing is true with your mind. You've got to literally take off the old and you've got to put on the new. And just like anything else, whether it's fingernails or furniture or cars, it takes time, it takes determination, it takes hard work, it takes intentionality. But with the power of God, you can do it. You do have the power to take away the old and lay aside the old and put on the new. Now, here's the good news for you. We do not want you to fight this battle alone, and I don't want you to think you're in this battle alone because you're not the only one fighting this battle. And by the way, if you're fighting this battle, and there was a man recently that admitted he was having this problem, and I was so thankful. In fact, I told him when he, when he did it how much I admired him, how much I appreciate him letting, letting, letting me know it. If you're fighting this battle, there's nothing to be embarrassed about and, uh, unless you're just not willing to get help. Look, if you're not willing to get help, we can't help you. But if you say, I do want help. Well, in your worship guide, you will notice that we have a little card that said, here's help. There's a website that you can go to and I would encourage you to do it if you're having this problem. And we have a group here in Celebrate Recovery and it's for people who have this kind of problem. We have people who come, we have people who attend. Now let me tell you, one of our five questions we ask about the cross-shaped life, if you remember, is who has your password? And that, that's all about community, that's all about being in a group. I would say one thing, if you don't do anything else besides read your Bible, get in a group. 
Get in a campus group, get in a community group, get in some group, get in a group and find someone in that group that you, that, that you love, someone in that group that you can trust. In fact, I would encourage you to get so connected to a group that you could tell the whole group, look, I've got this issue. I want you to hold me accountable. I need you to pray with me because we really are in this deal together. So I want to just wrap it up the way I wrap up everything. If Jesus is who he said he was, and if Jesus did what he said he did, now you may think this is naive if you want to. I'm, I'm going to believe this to the day I draw my last breath. You do not have a moral, spiritual problem that Jesus cannot solve. You do not, I'm going to repeat, if he is who he said he is, and he did what he said he did, you do not have a moral, spiritual problem that Jesus cannot solve. And I want you to hear me carefully because we, we so shortchanged Jesus in all of this. Jesus Christ died on the cross. So I believe that. Jesus Christ came back from the dead. He said, I believe that, but here's what we miss. He didn't just die on the cross and come back from the dead to give us victory over death. He died on the cross and came back from the dead to give us victory over life, to give us victory right here, right now. He didn't just die so we could kind of limp home, beaten up, bruised and battered and whipped and defeated and just finally barely cross the finish line into heaven. He died so we could have our chest out and our head up and we could look at the world, the flesh and the devil and we can say, you don't own me, you don't control me, you can't beat me. Through the power of the risen Lord, there is nothing that I cannot do. He didn't just die for your heart so you'd live right. He didn't just die for your body so you would act right. He died for your mind so you would think right. So you can go from an X-rated life to a G-rated life that is totally saturated and activated by God himself. Why don't you start today? Let's pray together.